Hi, Pastor Joe here coming to you from my church office today. Uh, we're practicing the self-distancing and the uh, self-quarantining that's going on. It's so important to do. Well, I'm here by myself and there's no one else here, so I'm taking care of that business. It's those little things that matter like uh, coughing into your elbow, washing your hands frequently. All of those kinds of things are so very important to do during this time that we're that we're caught in. I want to talk to you today about discouragement. What do you do when you're discouraged? It's easy to become discouraged in today's climate. All you have to do is look around at the circumstances. You wonder if it's ever going to end, if life is ever going to be the same again. Let me just tell you, it's going to end. It's going to be done with one of these days. And we'll be back to normal and things will be back to the way that they were. And uh, you'll have your life back again. But life can be hard. Life can be a battle. The Apostle Paul said, we don't struggle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual authorities and principles in high places. That's how we struggle with these things in life. Today, I want to talk to you about the overcoming life in regard to being a Christian and discouragement. Psalm 42 was written by King David. It was written by King David in a time in his life when he was hiding in the caves. Many people feel that this was written during the time when he was hiding in the caves from King Saul. And he was discouraged. He was running for his life. And Psalm 42 is the pouring out of his heart to God and letting him know how you feel. Perhaps you can even relate. Now, as we read Psalm 42, I want you to notice something. It goes in kind of couplets. It goes in a pattern where David pours his heart out to God and he complains about the situation that he's in. But then in the same verse, in the same section that he's talking about, he kind of grabs himself by the lapels and he says, okay, now listen up. I want you to listen to the good things that God has. Here's the things that you need to do. Kind of a snap out of it, David kind of attitude that he has. So I'm going to read through Psalm 42 and you look for that as we, as we go through that, okay? I'm going, to, I'm going to read from Psalm 42 now. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is your God? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks, amid the sound of great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, to the land of Mount Mizar, I hear the tumult of the raging seas, and as the waves, as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours out his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. O God, my rock, I cry, why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff, where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him, my Savior and my God. The first thing that David does here is he acknowledges his thirst for God. He says things like, why are you so discouraged? Why am I so uh, cast down? He says, as the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. And then he kind of grabs himself by the lapels and he says, 
My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go to meet God? We often picture this verse in bucolic terms of a gentle doe lapping up water gently as it's by the babbling brook. But that's not the case at all. It's a picture of desperation, of a deer that is frantically searching for some stream of water to quench its overwhelming thirst. David is experiencing the feelings of a being abandoned by God. My soul thirsts for God, he says, for the living God. You know, even Mother Teresa felt abandoned by God in her lifetime. In, in a letter she wrote while trying to find a home to start her work at the very beginning of her ministry, as she was looking for a home to find her, to, to put her work in, she's, she writes, I wandered the streets the whole day. My feet are aching and I have not been able to find a home. And also I get the tempter telling me, leave all this, go back to the convent from which you came. She pressed on, she eventually found the home, and the rest is history. The Missionaries of Charity that she founded feeds 500,000 families a year in Calcutta alone and treats 90,000 leprosy annually and educates some 20,000 people every year. She was hungry and thirsty for God. She didn't let it dis destroy her faith, and she didn't give up. She pressed on. Now, there's no sin in pouring out your heart before God. Even Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? And then he kind of grabs himself by the lapels again and, and grabs himself and says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of those who, of the mighty one, who shouts of joy and praise among the festive crowds. Here David is exposing his soul's anguish. He's not eating. He says he has only tears for food, and it's made worse by the response of those around him questioning his faith. Have you ever been through the trial of being told you just got to have more faith? If you had more faith, this wouldn't happen to you. Where is your God? Jesus on the cross experienced that, and he understands what it's like to have your, your faith tested. In, as, he's, as he's on the cross in Matthew chapter 27, verses 41 through 44, Jesus experiences this kind of, of persecution. He says, the leading priests, the teachers of the religious law, and the elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he cannot save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now, and we will believe in him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. Jesus experienced that kind of mockery and that kind of thing that he experienced in his life. And he says, and David says, when David was faced with those feelings of abandonment, he remembered how he went to the tabernacle, the house of the Lord, with joy and praise, surrounded by celebration. What you focus your mind on matters. David here is focusing his mind on the great things that he had done in the past with God and for God. He remembers how he used to go to the house of God and the joy that he felt and the peace that he felt and the celebration that he felt in the presence of the living God. Do you remember those times? Do you focus on those times? It's so tempting for us to have that happen where we, where we focus on the wrong thing. You can get into a jag where your mind gets on the negativity of things and you don't remember the good things of God and you find yourself dwelling on negativity and it's not good for you. Do you ever have to reset your mind? 
Sometimes at night I get into these modes of negative confusing dreams where nothing makes sense and nothing is going right and things are just kind of odd and I'm half asleep and half awake. I found that I have to get up and fix my thoughts on something else. If I just get up for a few minutes and just get my mind focused on something good, something nice, something redeeming, it makes all the difference in the world. Then I can usually get back to bed and go to sleep. I'm literally resetting my focus on something positive. When you're discouraged, set your mind on those things that are positive, not negative. And then he says, why are you so downcast, O oh my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? And then he comes back and he grabs himself by the lapels and he says, now put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. He carries on by asking this rhetorical question. Why is my soul so downcast? Why am I so disturbed? Sometimes we know the feelings that we're having are wrong, unhelpful, and we even know that we shouldn't be having those feelings, but there they are. What do you do with those, those feelings and times? You can see the struggle that's going on in David's soul now, in David's spirit. Come on now, get a hold of yourself. So he engages in some self-talk, telling himself what he's going to do. I am going to put my hope in God. I'm going to praise him. Sometimes you have to force yourself to praise God. Sometimes you have to kind of prime the pump and just praise God in the middle of your discouragement, in the middle of your, of your worry, in the middle of your fear. You just need to determine to yourself that you're going to praise God no matter what your feelings tell you. You can have those feelings, but don't believe, don't live by them and don't let them rule your life. In Romans 5.13, it says, I pray that God, the source of hope, God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. God is the only source of hope for our lives. Fix your thoughts on God and him alone and him what he can do for you. And you'll find that there's a change that begins to take place. And then David says, my soul is downcast within me. But again, he gets back in the saddle. He gets back in the right, right frame of mind. He says, therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Mount Hermon is the highest spot in northern Israel. It's snow-capped mountains most of the year, and it's the source of the Jordan River. We saw that when we were in Israel. We looked up and we saw the snow on the mountains on the top of Mount Hermon. It's a majestic sight. But Mount Mizor means little, and some scholars think that this is talking about a small hill, comparatively speaking, that's in front of Mount Hermon. And from certain perspectives, you see this little hill and you see the big mountain behind it. And I think he's invoking a little poetic license here. When my soul is downcast, I will remember you. Whether it's a huge mountain of despair or a fleeting temptation to indulge in self-pity, my thoughts will be on you, David says. I'm not going to let the great big things move me, and I'm not going to let the little things move me. I'm going to continue on in the things of God. And then he says, deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all of your waves and breakers have swept over me. Here David uses a picture of God's presence as overwhelming force that knocks you off your feet by a row, like a rogue wave. 
I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but I've been in Lake Michigan a few times when I was younger, and I remember getting knocked over by a wave and just losing my balance and losing my sense of direction. I couldn't tell what was up or what was down. It was all confusing to me, and I, and I really kind of panicked one time that, that that happened. I just couldn't figure out what was up and what was down. And David says that. He says, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls, all of your waves and breakers have swept over me. David's using the presence of God as overwhelming, knocking him off his feet by a rogue wave. But he reminds himself that day and night, God is directing his life. Day and night, his song is with him. Songs are praises to God. It says, by day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to God of my life. He is saying that his answer is when he's knocked off his feet is number one, he's going to trust God is directing his path. That's so important that you believe with all of your heart that God is directing your path, especially in times of discouragement. It's okay to say, God, you've knocked me off my feet. I don't know which way is up or down, but God, I'm going to trust that you are directing my path today. I'm going to trust that you are here in the middle of this confusion, in the middle of this pain. And then he says he will worship him in his confusion. Does that sound familiar? It sounds like the 23rd Psalm to me. Let's say it together, shall we? Let's just say the 23rd Psalm together, wherever you are right now. I just want you to say the 23rd Psalm with me. It's going to be on the screen so you'll be able to see it. And we're going to read it from the New Living Translation. But let's say that together. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even though when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff comfort and protect me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Did that bring comfort to your heart today? I trust that it did. It's a great psalm. And then he goes on and he says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? There it is again. People saying, come on, man, do you got faith or not? If you only had enough faith, this would be good enough for you. And even our enemies say, your God is supposed to take care of you in all these times. Where is he now in the middle of this crisis that we're going through? People are dying. People are sick. People are scared. People are frightened. Where is your God? And then David kind of grabs himself by the lapels again, and he says, why are you downcast, my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? He's kind of saying, do you have any reason for this? Is God not good enough for you? You've got to have faith in God. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. David is finding the source of his hope is in God in this whole thing, and he is going to make sure that he praises God. I trust that this word has been good for you this morning. I trust that you are putting your hope in God. Even if you're discouraged, I want you to put your hope in God. It's okay to balance discouragement with the, with the right things that you have to do, with praising God and worshiping him. 
You know, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity tells us where to find our happiness. Our happiness is not found in the things around us, but it's found in God alone. Here's what C.S. Lewis had to say about that in his book, Mere Christianity. He says, a car is made to run on gasoline, and it would not run properly on anything else. Now, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion, or he means faith in that kind of context. God cannot give us a happiness and a peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. Those are good things to remember during this time. Sandy and I are praying for you. We're asking God to give you his grace and his mercy and his peace. I know the whole pastoral staff is praying for you. Pastor Mike is praying for you. Pastor Matt is praying for you. Pastor Juanita is praying for you. We're all lifting you up in prayer on a daily basis, sometimes even more often than just daily. But we want you to know that we love you. We're praying for you. We're going to get through this. We're going to see the end of this, and we're going to come out on the other side. God is going to take care of this for us, and we need to trust him for it. Let's have a word of prayer, shall we, before we close and ask God to bless us. Heavenly Father, I thank you today that you are our God. And God, I pray for any of my friends today that may be feeling the discouragement of life upon them. Father, may they help realize what the book of Romans tells us, that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. God, may we always recognize that this is a spiritual battle that we're fighting, not a physical battle. Our economy is in your hands, God. The health of our nation is in your hands, God. And you do everything well. We pray for those that may be suffering from this coronavirus, Lord, that you would be with them, that you would comfort them in their sickness. God, we know that most of them are going to recover and be well. There are some that are going to get sicker than others, and there are some that may even lose their lives from this thing. But God, we pray and ask you to stop this plague at its source and that you would be lifted up by it. We ask you to do these things now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Encourage each other. Call each other. Let each other know that you love each other and that you're there for each other, all right? God bless you. Have a great day, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Mike Sabatino. I serve as the associate pastor here at North Point. I just want to take a minute and thank you for being with us. We pray you and your family have been encouraged in your faith by being with us today. We understand that everyone is facing difficulty as our community copes with the new reality of life with COVID-19. We also understand that many are doing so on a non-existent or substantially reduced income. In light of that, we want to encourage those of you who are able to give to continue doing so. It's by your faithfulness that we're able to meet those with the greatest need, whether that needs tangible goods or emotional and spiritual support. So here's some practical ways that you can give and support the ministry at North Point. First of all, you can just send a check directly to the church at 4200 152nd Avenue, Holland, Michigan, 49424. Secondly, you can go to our website, www.hollandnorthpoint.org, and just click the donate button in the upper right-hand corner. And thirdly, you can give by text, 616-202-5021. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks for supporting the ministry to our community, and have a blessed day.